Hi, I'm Erin Hartz. Welcome to Grace Plus Boundaries, a weekly memoir in a podcast. I've realized through the past decade of my recovery that I learn the most about emotional maturity through listening to the triumphant stories of others. Are you yearning to unpack the effects of intergenerational trauma in your life? Do you want to stay true to your feelings, yet also learn how to accommodate the sensibilities of your loved ones? I'm dedicated to cracking the code of combining boundary setting with grace towards one another. Educate, evaluate, and evolve. Let's do this together. survivors. I'm so glad you made it back here today. Let's talk about our body image today. How do you treat your body? That's such a huge component of self-care, isn't it? Because this is the only body we've got in this lifetime and I don't know about you, but I certainly was not treating my body well for most of my teenage to adult life. It's just really recently as I've learned more about self-care and done a lot of therapy and things like that, that I've realized how poorly I've treated my body in the past. So today that's what I want to talk about is better body care and how can we dissociate less so that we can get into our bodies and feel our bodies and use that intuitive part of our brain or senses to help us decide what our body needs rather than just putting more stuff into it or on it or expecting it to be a certain way that society tells us it needs to look. So I can look back in my history and I started hating my body around sixth grade. So I'm assuming that's when hormones start kicking in and I think people in their adolescence, start being more self-conscious, noticing how other people look at them and perceive them. And the message I got as a child was that I was overweight. You know, my mom didn't want me to wear stretch pants because she said my thighs were too big to wear those kinds of pants, when really they weren't actually. But even if they were, that's just not really a nice thing to say to your kid. I felt fat pretty much my whole life. And I started dieting in sixth grade, and it got really bad when I was in seventh grade, and I was anorexic. I would basically starve myself as much as possible and eat a couple hundred calories a day. I kind of survived off of Jolly Ranchers, but I did also have some like low-calorie yogurt and a couple saltines for lunch. I don't know if I ate any breakfast, maybe like a granola bar, I'm not sure. And then I would every night try to eat as little of my dinner as possible. And, you know, my mom would make comments and try to get me to eat, but um, I would try to avoid whatever it was. I became a vegetarian back then, not because of the reasons I am now, but because then I didn't have to eat a lot of things that my mom prepared because I was trying to eat nothing. And around that time also, I started exercising, and I was over-exercising, so I would hide my exercise because I was doing it so much and compulsively, and I got really skinny. 
I got really thin and so many people gave me praise for how thin I was and that I'd quote-unquote lost my baby fat and all that kind of stuff and that felt good but on the same time I was depriving my body and I was not treating myself well you know and it was all because of low self-esteem and I think anorexia has other ties too about control and it's a very deep situation that I'm not trying to act like it's this surface thing that's only about food it actually isn't it's more about like us not being able to accept our desires and and what we want and thinking that what we want is not socially acceptable that type of thing so somehow um, I got into sports when I was in eighth grade my dad started being a little more present in my life too I don't know if that had something to do with it probably um I'm not sure exactly what changed there, but he started spending more time with me and we had a little bit more in common now that I was into sports around 8th grade, 7th grade. I started getting into it and so that helped me have a connection there and my eating disorder got a little better rather than getting me hospitalized or something. So in effect, my parents never knew necessarily that I had an eating disorder But I will call it that because it was over a year that I was depriving myself in a severe way of food. And my therapists and I agree that that was anorexia. So as I got older, you know, I wasn't quite as anorexic, but I definitely used exercise throughout my young adulthood because I was a runner. I would use that to keep myself at a good weight most of the time. And I struggled a little bit, you know, I would go up and down a little bit in my weight and I was never super thin and, um, you know, it, it fluctuated and it was something that I had to look at. And I look back at it and it was just all I cared about was kind of being thin. When I exercised, it wasn't about feeling good. It wasn't about getting my muscles strong to help my body survive. It was more just about looking good and making sure that I stay at the size that I wanted to be, that I felt good at and all that kind of stuff. So fast forward and I had all these things that I would do, kind of weird behaviors around eating, but not enough that a lot of people noticed. Only if you knew me really well, maybe would you notice that. Um, But as I get older and older and as my body starts getting a little decrepit as I age. I have started really needing to pay attention to my body more. I've gotten injured from running a few times in the past 10 years and I've had to stop. I guess it was been the last five years. So right before the pandemic, I got injured. I couldn't run. I felt awful, gained a little weight. And um, yeah, that was a tough time. Felt really yucky about myself. And back then I did reach out to my therapist and we did some work surrounding my feelings about food. And I do think it helps a little bit. Um, but it's with food, it's, it's, a, it's a layered thing where we have to get to the bottom of some feelings and why we feel that way and what shame I feel around food and what messaging I have. It's very deep, um, but I think what it really comes down to, for me at least, is that I've used food all my life to dissociate. I've used food all my life to help me curb the feelings that I didn't know how to deal with. 
So I can even look back to my really early childhood, maybe five, six, seven, definitely around seven, I think I remember giving a friend of mine a quarter to go buy me 25 strawberry penny candies at the store because he had freedom to go walk home from school and he would always stop at the store and buy some candy and I got him to buy me like, you know, 50 strawberry candies and I would keep them in my bedroom when I was little and, you know, eat them whenever I wanted to because that made me feel good. I thought, you know, I just like sugar, but really I look back and it's like, I'm sure those were the times that I didn't know how to deal with my feelings and I was all alone and I was just sitting on the floor of my bedroom sucking on those strawberry candies, you know, and they made me feel safe and they made me feel like life was good and they helped me get out of my feelings and deal with those. So there I am never healing that part of me and so here I am a 42-year-old person and I still use food as something to help me with my emotions. So this summer I was having kind of some times again where I gained a little weight and wanted to get back to doing better for my body. I was eating too much sugar. That's really my main thing is too much sugar. And um, in the past I have had some binging issues and then I would usually just run a lot or exercise a bunch to take care of the extra calories. That stopped a lot after I did a lot of tapping with that one therapist during the pandemic about it. I haven't, I'm not really as into binging now, thank goodness, but I still eat too much sugar. So that's something I wanted to cut back on, but I also wanted to feel strong in my body. And um, so this summer I did do a lot more yoga. I started feeling really good and being able to do all the poses pretty easily, which felt so good in my body just to have that flexibility and be able to do those things that were so hard for me the first few times I tried them. That felt very empowering. Um, so I, I was doing that, getting more into my body, but I was still kind of needed help. And I know for sure that food issues are not about food. They're really about me having something to help me stop my feelings from coming. Back in the day, I used to use alcohol for this a little bit, and it's very common for when people give up alcohol, they end up eating a ton of sugar. It's a really common thing that happens. Well, because alcohol has a ton of sugar in it, but also just because I think it's like filling that void, right? Like when you don't have that anymore, you need something to fill it up. So I still had that sugar thing going on, and I thought, well, I know that this is not just about eating. This is about something inside of me that needs to be healed. So I decided to start bringing it up to my therapist again. And I didn't know how we would solve it, but she and I kind of tapped into some old memories. We talked about them. We did some of the EMDR processing. And during that same time, this was August and September of this year, I heard a really cool podcast that a friend sent to me. Thanks, Ethan. He sent me this podcast about how building muscle is so important for our bodies as we age. And I mean, I had heard that before, but this lady said it in a new way that it made me really, really think about it. And she also talked about how she uses this phrase and it helps her remember that sugar 
stops her from building muscle and muscle is essential for her health as an older person. And she uses the phrase, sugar is Satan. I thought that was just brilliant. And I put it in my phone and there is a message on my phone every day now at three o'clock that says, sugar is Satan, exclamation point, because that's the time of day that I start grabbing sugar right after the kids go home from school. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I get a break for the first time of the day. Historically, that's when I start grabbing sugar and shoving it into my mouth. And this year, I did not want to do that. I'm like, I'm not going to use sugar as a crutch. I, it's not necessarily about the size of my body. Now I'm looking at this at an angle of, I want to do what's right for my body and have my body feel good. I want to feel strong. I want to feel healthy. I want to feel like I'm doing for my body what it deserves me, to, how it deserves me to treat it. I want to treat my body well because I love myself and I want to take care of myself. And I've been putting all this sugar, which is poison, into my body and not giving myself enough time to build muscle. But the thing I guess I really wanted to convey today in this message was kind of twofold. That one, better body care is about me caring about my body and what I put into it. It's not about my size. And if I can focus on treating my body with the respect it deserves, that is where I want to put my energy. Because I know that that'll lead to me feeling better. So I have chosen to eat less sugar. And I want to try my best to stop myself when I have those moments of when I want to start shoveling sugar into my mouth or food into my mouth and I want to pause there and say what is this what are the feelings that are coming up because that is the exact work I need to do when I'm feeling like I need to eat that much it's because I have feelings when I stop myself and get myself to go upstairs and sit down and just think for a minute and feel my feelings it's usually that I'm just tired It's usually that my body just wants energy. It's so exhausted. That's what it wants. It doesn't want a bunch of sugar. It doesn't want a bunch of chips. It wants me to sit down and relax. At least that has been what's gone on for me. And I wanted to say also that the best thing that I've found besides therapy, besides maybe journaling about my feelings, um, is yoga. Because the second I get into that yoga class, I have to surrender and sit there or stand there. And I have to try and do what the teacher asks me to do. And I tell myself that if I want to lay down in child's pose the whole time, I can. You know, and I do that sometimes. And usually the days when I need to do that, I just lay there and cry. Because I'm just A, so grateful to be in that position where I get to give myself an hour of yoga, I'm relieved that I'm actually sitting and doing something to connect with my body. I'm just so tired. And it's like the first time that I really allow myself to feel those feelings of just being exhausted and needing more self-care and needing to, to give myself a rest. So for me, yoga has been one of the major connectors that I can use 
to get me back in my body and not dissociating. And so I really recommend it. So like I used to do yoga only on the TV at my house. And because of the pandemic, I couldn't go to the gym and that's what I did. And you know what? That's better than nothing. My my things that I watch, Rodney Yee, I think his name is, um, I bought it on Apple. And I rewatch those and do those. And they're good. They're good enough for a while. But the best thing that for me is to go to my yoga class I found the yoga teacher that is excellent, that she cares about her body, she loves herself, you can feel it, you can see it. She's not all about just building muscles, she's about connecting. And if you can find a teacher that does that, that connects and gets you into a space of loving yourself because she or he loves themselves, then that is a space I want to be in. At the gym I go to, there's a couple different yoga teachers, and this whole summer I could only go to, or I only found the ones from this other teacher who is this, like, I don't know if she's Hungarian or Russian, or, but she, um, you know, has a very thick accent, and she's just, she's a very strong woman, and she can do a lot of yoga poses that are interesting and intricate, but she is not a peaceful, gentle yoga practitioner. She always says, um, and it cracks me up because she it's just funny when we learn another language, like the things we say a little differently, and she always says, and get to the downward-facing looking dog. So instead of downward dog, it's downward-facing looking dog. For some reason, that's how she says it every time. It's really funny. Um, you know, I mean, she's cool, but... This other teacher at the place is just so much more gentle. That one helps me really connect to my body. Both are good though, right? Some yoga is better than no yoga. And sometimes I've only been able to stay for 15 minutes of that class. But it's some yoga is better than no yoga is my mantra. And I'm still not doing it enough. I wish I could do it more often. Right now I'm only getting there once or twice a week. As opposed to like two or three times this summer a week, Um, but I'm working on it, you know, and every time I go to yoga, I'm just like, why don't I do this more? It makes me feel so good, and I easily don't need to go home and eat so much after I do yoga because it gives me that time to reconnect to my body. I don't even have to diet. I want to eat something healthier after I reconnect with my body, and I have been trying to eat less sugar in the last few months, working hard at it. And I'm not saying no sugar, but like I would literally eat candy like many days because I love chocolate. And what I found is that now when I have sugar or I have stuff that is not as good for me, I don't feel good in my body afterwards. I feel the negative effects in my body if I'm connected to my body. And that makes me remember the next time, like, I probably don't want to put that in my mouth because remember how that made me feel. And I just think it's amazing that I can finally feel the difference of eating a healthy meal versus eating some junk. I used to be able to feel the difference if I ate, like, let's say a whole bag of hot Cheetos. Yeah, that's going to do a number on my stomach and not feel good. So I know that much, you know, not to eat that. But 
when it came to like kind of more gray area food, I wasn't feeling the effects of those things because I was still not in my body, still dissociating. And I'm still doing it, I'm sure. Like today, I definitely didn't eat as good. You know, my slip didn't become a slide. And now I'm here talking about this. And tomorrow I get to go to yoga because Monday is the day of the great teacher. And so I think that I'll be okay. And uh, Friday, I'm going to sign up to take some personal training sessions with someone at my gym, I think, to build some muscle. I've done that in the past to make my body stronger because I care about myself and I care about my health. And now I'm doing it for a new reason, and I think that makes all the difference. So please let me know what you're thinking about this. And keep drinking water, people. That's another thing I changed. I'm drinking 100 or more ounces of water a day. We need water from food, too. So eating those fruits and vegetables makes a huge difference in the beginning of the day, middle of the day. Don't wait till the night to try to drink your water. That does not work. And I know this firsthand, so... All right, people, well, keep taking care of yourself and let me know how it goes. Bye-bye. You deserve a big high five and a smile in the mirror for showing up for yourself today. Thank you for your dedication to introspection and self-awareness because our personal evolution is what will make this world a better place. If you enjoyed the episode, please give me a five-star review and share it with a friend. And let me know if you want to be a guest to share how you are navigating intergenerational trauma in your life. You're welcome to join my free monthly goal-setting workshop on the first Wednesday of every month. Just DM me at iHeartsAaron.